through. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm sitting here with my right-hand man, Jake Galley. In front of us is Stat Matt, and Jewel Smith is over there in the corner. We will hear from her a little bit later. How are we doing today, guys? So you told me you were going to ask me this. <laughs> I never have anything ready, and I'm going to be honest with you. You don't have anything? I, I don't. I, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Here's the but thing. I don't have anything beyond that. It's so apathetic when I ask you. It's like, like if I saw you in Wawa, Jake, and I was like, yo, Jake, how you been? Or how you doing? You would have something to say to me. But, like, I don't understand why here when I ask it, it's like, I don't know. Not from, like, week to week, though. Like, if I haven't seen you in a month. Bro, if if we both went to Wawa tomorrow and I dapped you up and I said, yo, how are you? You're telling me you wouldn't have anything to say. You wouldn't be like, yo, I'm good. And you wouldn't say something to me. I don't know if those are things I want to share on air, James. One of my best friends, ladies and gentlemen, just refuses to say what's up. Matt, You I noticed you're still quiet over there. (laughs) (laughs) How are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. There we go. There we go. I love the energy. I, love- I didn't even realize you asked it. Yeah, Matt, so was so, Matt was so tuned out over there. Jewel, how are we doing? Fucking terrible. All right. All right. So with that, here comes a fact straight at you. Big men have won four of the last five skills competitions in All-Star Weekend. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but we, we look at stats and we see trends. Four of the last five have been big men in the skills competition is, is small ball coming to an end? Is that what we're seeing right now? Well, I, I think really there's a couple teams. We've, we've touched on the Rockets over and over again about being like the last frontier of small ball. How far can they push it? Can they kind of lean on smaller lineups to get them by? But I think if you've been paying attention, you know, really ever since Embiid and Porzingis, and there have been some guys before them, but when the term unicorn started getting thrown around, you Simmons. started... Right, Ben Simmons, Giannis. Giannis, KD. You start, exactly. You start looking around, and there are these bigger guys who have the same skill sets as guards. And to me, that's what it really comes down that, to. That's exactly what I was going to say. We're not going away from small ball. We're going towards positionless basketball. And that's, I don't care if you're five foot eight or you're six foot ten. I need you to be able to, to dribble, pass, and shoot. I need you to be able to do all three. The more you can do that, the more valuable you are to any team. And I think the NBA, again, head and shoulders above any league, realizes the trend that their league is going towards and the players that you know it's going towards and moves its league towards that because the skills competition used to be all guards because that's what the only people we thought could dribble pass and shoot could do all three i think once the nba identified that yo we got seven footers that can do what guards do i think they were like why don't we make a big man side of the skills competition one it gives more big men to showcase their ability and it lets the whole masses know that look at how Look how talented our league is. Look, we got everybody that can do this. Yeah, I actually bet on Sabonis, RIP. He almost won. Came in second second. to Adebayo. uh, Bam Adebayo is a great example of a guy who... Another unicorn. I mean, he came in to the NBA as really just like your basic rim-running, rim-defending center. Right. Explode at the rim type guy, but wasn't going to really do much else from Kentucky. Um, but he was a high-effort guy, fits right in there with Miami mm-hmm. um, in their culture. And I don't know, he, he's a guy who has developed into a unicorn where it isn't like right off the bat you look at him and go, oh, that's going to be the guy in five years. Like, you know, he's developed into this player. So it was good to see is him. Is that what – are we are we coining that? You, and we're not coining it, but is that what we're going with now? Are we going to start establishing the term unicorn? 
I mean, I think stay, it's a little bit down. It's a little played out. I'd like to come up with something. I something. like it though. It's you know something you've never. But I mean, why we, a unicorn? Like why not a minotaur? I don't want to be a unicorn. I want to be a half man, half bull. Because you're the only person that like thinks of minotaurs. I don't know. Like you think of. I'm just, just saying, like, if I was, like, the best, like, most unique NBA player ever, they're like, oh, yeah, you're a unicorn. Like, can I can I be something else? Like, can I not be, like... But I think... So it's Porzingis who came up with that first, right? I, he was he the was, first he one. He was, like, officially, like, the guy. He's but then it got, the unicorn. But now it's yeah, a, yeah. it's more... It's like high school ball now. It's like... It's... it's you ever heard of, like, the fams in high school ball? So the people who put crazy English on their layups, it's jelly, jelly fam. That's the only one I've heard of. And then now there's unicorn fam. It's all the no, the, really? the tall high school players who can do it all. Yeah, J- Jalen Green's in it, Imani Bates is yeah, in see, it. Yeah, that's like, a little corny. Like, unicorn fam. I mean, I get it. I guess we're here talking about unicorns, but it's a little corny. Like, yeah, Of course it's corny. I don't want to be called unicorn. Like, no. No, um, I am Sharknado fam. That's what I would be called. That's <laughs> what Shaq was. Anyway, a Sharknado. Are you- is that what he was? Just a terrorizing or figure? Or Shacknado. I think Shack- it was actually... Shack was a man-bear pig. A man-bear pig. Shout <laughs> out South Park. And he- <laughs> That's funny. All right. But going back to the... I love the tangents we go on. But going back to the original topic at hand, is this small ball over? I think we really have to look at, like, how are teams, like, building their rosters? Who, who are they building around more? And there's, it, it kind of goes both ways. If you've got teams that are led by guards, that are pretty much built around guards... These are playoff teams, too. You have the Grizzlies at 8, the Mavericks at 7, the Thunder at 6, Rockets at 5 in the Western Conference, and then the Nets at 7, and then the Heat at 4. So and those, the Heat are, like, marginal, too. Yeah, they, I mean... I mean, can you, like... And here we go back again to, like, what is a guard, what is a small forward specifically? Like, Jimmy Butler really... There, to me, there's no small around. and power forward anymore. You are a guard or you are a forward. I'll right. even, like, group centers into the forward position. You're either guard or a forward. There's no... So, shooting guard, small forward, power forward It was anymore. Bill Simmons or maybe Brad C. One of those Celtics guys coined it uh, in terms of positionless. You're either a guard, a wing, or a big. Or yeah. the three. There you go. So, it's essentially the same thing as you were saying, mm-hmm. but... It's interesting there that you you notice all the teams building around guards. Granted, a lot of them younger guards were the bottom half of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you go even deeper into that, you have Portland down there as well, who is led by guards. I would put the Clippers in there. I would say the Clippers because I would I would consider Kawhi and PG more guards than forwards. Perimeter, I would say they're perimeter, not big. Per, yeah, they're perimeter big. players. They're perimeter players. They're wings, I would say. Which so for going I think into, it would go under the guard umbrella. I would say you could probably get away with PG being a guard. Kawhi is maybe maybe a little bit too far for me to call a guard. Oh, if no. you want to put the Clippers in there, that's fine. I mean, that, that's your prerogative. I'm going to do a devil's advocate. I think big men winning four of the last five <laughs> makes it, proves more that small ball is winning. How? Ooh, okay. Elaborate. Because small ball was a response to the old NBA from the 2000s of you got two players on the post inner block and small ball is getting the slow big men out mm-hmm. and, and taking advantage of the one-on-one matchups. So this is the big men responding on how to play in the small ball adapting, world. Adapting, And being able to guard on the outside, guard perimeter players, and play offense from the perimeter. And it well. helps your defense, too, because now if your big is more agile, you can switch more. Like, I think one of the reasons people started going to small ball, you're exactly right, Matt, uh, against bigger lineups is that when we get on offense, you can't switch You can't switch anything. So you have to either fight through screens, or when you do, now I got Kemba Walker on, you know, 
I don't know why I ran a big man can't come to my mind. I ran a big, slow big man. But now I got Kemba Walker on Hassan. Steven Adams. Yeah, Steven Adams, Hassan Whiteside, and now there's a, a huge matchup problem. Right, so. and, and it is fair to point out that when you look at field goals made, so who's doing most of the scoring, who's, and I don't, obviously scoring isn't the only way you can impact a game, but big men still aren't really scoring with the guards. Giannis is number one in field goals, but then you have to go all the way down to number 12, Nikola Jokic, for the next big in terms of field goals made this year really yeah right surprising i mean and that that's not per game by the way that's just total so guys like Embiid aren't going to be in there he's missed some games ad's missed some games ad's missed right landed hard on his back so like i I don't know it's kind of tough but that's a good point matt that we're now seeing more skilled players rather than you know two feet in the paint Guys like Enos Cantor can't even stay on the floor most nights because they're getting ran off and pick and rolls and right. stuff like that. Well, let's talk about those bigs because there's still playoff teams that are quote-unquote led by bigs too. You talked about um, Nikola Jokic with uh, the Denver Nuggets. They're at number two. The Utah Jazz, kind of a one-two points between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz could probably go in either of these categories if we really wanted them to. That's in the Western Conference. The East is really where big men go to rule. You have the Magic at number eight, the Pacers at number six, the Sixers at five, Raptors at two, Bucks at one. So that's really where the, the big men really go to rule in the in the Eastern Conference. Right, and it's funny because, like, we've always talked about how, you know, for, at first it was be the – well, really just me. I love the Sixers roster construction, and then it's, oh, the Sixers are too big. But now that I look at it you from remember, this angle – You remember check tape? Do you remember when this – Al Horford is the best addition <laughs> to the NBA. <laughs> in the NBA, awesome. right, better than Porzingis, better Imagine than all the other guys. Better than Malcolm AD. Better than instead of PG. Al Horford. Right, and look, that's, that's, that, I don't want to get on the Sixers tangent because I think no, but that he he'll said, be good in a new role. But uh, He said Al Horford, the Al Horford pickup was better than AD, was better than Kawhi and PG, Russ. was better than Russ, was, let's keep going, was better than Jimmy Butler, was better than Did Kyrie. Did we include guys was, that got traded, though? You, I don't know if we included guys that you got said, traded. But I'm pretty sure you said is the best addition, best pickup, which would mean free agent yeah, and traded. You shouldn't have let me said that. That was clear <laughs> homer bias, but... Regardless, I think that now when you look at it from that angle, and especially against the Raptors and against the Bucks, as we've seen this year, that is a successful format. When you go strength against strength, you have bigs versus bigs. Usually, as we've seen with the recent development of these quote-unquote unicorns, if all things are the same, all skills are the same, the taller group, the taller guy is going to win out. So that is the philosophy I see being pushed now. And it'll be interesting to see because not you know none of this matters if the Sixers can't get past the second round and the Bucks and Giannis flame out before and and you know Giannis goes and disappears then we can't really push this narrative. But as of right now, I think it's interesting to see how it develops. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure. Just to further back up the point in the All Star game, LeBron and Giannis both took big men with their first pick, as Jake and I both did in our right, fantasy All Star draft. Without and even you thinking, laughed at me. you laughed at me picking Embiid. And Embiid literally went right after AD did. Yeah, he did. Look, I, I laughed. I laughed because you could have picked a, You could have picked Embiid. I mean, right. <laughs> That's you why. You laughed deservedly so. Giannis made a mistake doing that, <laughs> as did I, but um, I had my reasons. And in terms of t- the top 10 players in PER this year, player efficiency rating, five are bigs, three are guards, and then two are wings, the two wings being Kawhi and LeBron. Even so. though LeBron is being listed as a point guard. 
on on basketball reference so i'm sorry to tell basketball reference but they are wrong <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're just mistaken speaking of the all-star game like, I, I think there are a couple things we can look at this all-star game and use it kind of as like a microcosm of like bigger narratives in the nba because mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that i saw in this all-star game especially with how players were playing how teams were playing and i was like there's a reason for that that there that we can look at that as something i think the first thing and you know i love to start with this typical oh my god i love to start with this is the fact that my man CP3 not only was one of the best players on the floor, but was not a starter, but ended up was on the floor at the end of the game instead of Luka Doncic. That come on, that is LeBron favoritism. At, that at is because right Chris there. Paul had twenty three eight and six. That's because Chris Paul had one of the most efficient games in the All Star game. That's why twenty three two and six. Whatever. But <laughs> and, but he was a plus thirteen. I mean, it is interesting to to look at the juxtaposition between you know the old do it all point guard. And the now young superstar, super flamethrower, Luka Doncic. Um, I I think my first reaction is like, oh well, like you know, it's because Luka isn't good on defense. He isn't as good. He actually, if you look at defensive box plus minus, has three times three times the defensive box plus minus that Chris Paul has. It's 1.8 to 0.6. Thesaurus, stat, Matt. Can we get a definition of what defensive box plus minus is? Defensive box plus minus basically breaks down. How much? How many points better your team is when you're in the game on defense versus when you're not in the game on defense? Okay, so that stat is basically saying that when Luca is in the game versus when Luca is out of the game, his team is better on defense than when Chris Paul is in the game versus when Chris Paul is out of the game. Right. What type of impact they have on the defensive? Which to me is like staggering. Like I couldn't believe that. Like obviously Chris Paul been on multiple all defensive teams. He's led the league in steals what five, six times. Right. Yeah. So when when I saw that it kind of put me off. And then also he has a better PER than Chris Paul, Luca does, uh better assists and rebound percentage and better value over replacement player. There is some context in the fact that wings typically better have better defensive box plus minuses than guards, because guards are easily exploitable when you do pick and rolls with big men. So it's not as much about individual defense. And I'm, I'm going to guess that Luka's usage rate is much higher than Chris Paul's this year. Right, probably, but that, that doesn't really play into the defensive box not plus defensive, minus. Not defensive, but it'll play into his PER right, and right. his assists and his rebounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also the team composition as well. There's other distributors on, I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander handles the ball quite a bit. Dennis Schroeder. So the assist percentage is, is also a little explainable, but... I think that, especially in the All-Star game, and especially I think that... Low uh, LeBron bias. The, the LeBron bias plays low, in a little bit. Low LeBron bias, but I also think that, one, LeBron wanted to win this game. Like, I think it's... I think they... Which was a good switch. They Both both teams clearly uh, were Clearly wanted to win. It was, one, it was the best All-Star game that I, I watched. Probably ever. 2003. I knew Matt was going to have some other All-Star game. But That's it, not going to let that slide. Right. But I, since I don't really remember the 2003... Star game on it well. I had that shit saved on VHS. <laughs> I rewatched it like a bunch when I was oh like ten. My God, <laughs> it's the best All Star game I've watched, and I think it's there's a couple factors. One, it's the proven vet versus this is your first time here. I'm not gonna let you get caught up. That, in the that's hype a of big it. part as well, right? And it's the two of I know Chris Paul's style of play. He's one of my best friends. I train with him in the off season. I've never been on this. I've never Won been on two the same gold side. medals with him, right? I've never been on the same team as Luka Doncic ever. Like Luca in your fourth or fifth All Star game, you might be on the. But Luca's the better player right now, right now. But but what but what what means more to LeBron? 
team chemistry or you're just a better individual player? Right, especially with LeBron, I think, maybe hunting, trying to get back into the... Chris Paul not going with the ball. Lucas going with the ball. Yeah, Come on. There's yeah. there's a couple reasons, but legitimate reasons, I, I believe. And, you know, Chris Paul showed out. He probably, LeBron was probably like, oh, head ball. Let oh, head get some shine. Right. It's funny because their teams right now have the same exact record in the West, 33 and 22. Um, so, obviously, LeBron, who I think is a great GM, picked Chris Paul out there as we've been talking about. If you are starting and building a team, are you putting out Chris Paul before you put out Luka Doncic in like a play, not not all-star game, because then bias and all that type stuff plays in. In a playoff game, these two teams are... And it's like and it's like final minutes of the game, final minute of the game. Yeah, in the same scenario. I, I guess I'm asking the wrong person here. Game, but, 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 but game you seven, six minutes to go. You want a guy to close out? I'm picking Chris Paul. Th- thank you. Like I was veteran hesitant. presence, one of the best basketball IQs in the history. Of thank the game. you. Like like he he's gonna make any, the right. Yeah. He's gonna make the right basketball decision. I hesitated saying it so quick because I I thought I was gonna come off biased. But I we was, haven't seen Luca in a big game. I genuinely think now if you're asking Euro who, League playoffs. right? If you're asking who I'd rather build a franchise around right now, I'd be, I'd be stupid not to say Luca. But if, uh, who am I gonna put in a close? out a game so then what is there to be said about luca's mvp candidacy which we talked about last i'd rather week. luca for the season right MVP for is a season. Season award. you're ta- you're talking about the closing minutes you of can't one give game that guy the mvp then we why? shouldn't be talking about that guy if he doesn't it's not his fault that you're pitting him against chris paul if it like, doesn't translate to winning basketball games why should that guy be the because most you're a valuable player because jake your match just said it the most valuable player is a full season award you're taking one context of one game six minutes of one game and trying to extrapolate it no you, i'm answering the question who would i rather chris paul or luca to close out six minutes of game seven of one game for me, I'd rather the better player because in the playoffs, great players take over. And Chris Paul is a great player. But when I look at who's going to take over a game, it's not Chris Paul. When I'm looking at who's going to put oh, a you team didn't away, watch, like— you didn't, watch, you didn't watch Game 7 of the 2017 playoffs when the Clippers went against the Jazz. Chris Paul took over. What about the 2018 They playoffs? lost that year. Or, 20, 20, or Game 6, I'm sorry, to force Game 7. Part of me thinks you're being a little biased, but the other part of me thinks you're not wrong. I'm not. Chris Paul is a no, I think, I, you can be biased and right. Yeah, Drew, I think, no, I, I think it's exactly both. I think it is literally yeah. exactly both. So another thing that I saw in the All-Star game that we've mentioned earlier you in the You love this one. I talked about one that I love. You're about to talk about one that you love. I don't, I mean, I love from a Sixers fan perspective. You I also it. own Giannis in fantasy, so like, it's like a give and take here. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, once again, as he is prone to do. Houdini. Disappears in the, the fourth quarter. The alphabet. The alphabet is, yeah, the last alphabet. episode, the alphabet. Not the Greek freak, the alphabet. Disappears in the fourth quarter once again. When you look at his stat line from that All-Star game fourth quarter, he only attempted one shot and missed it. He had four rebounds, zero assists, three blocks, still showed up on defense, and a steal. Two steals. Two steals, mm-hmm. and he turned it over one time. But overall, obviously, from a guy who is the reigning NBA MVP, very underwhelming. And in the All-Star game, I'm sorry, but <laughs> zero points and zero assists screams at me way more than three blocks and two steals. Yeah, Like, like you're not there, scoring dude. in the fourth, in the whole it fourth. Tightened and un- it tightened up a little bit. It tightened up. But that's even more to the point. It, I, to be honest, if it was a loose, loosey goosey, didn't mean anything, people were just running up and doing anything type of game, and Giannis didn't score, I'd be like, whatever. He probably didn't care. The fact that it became an actual game in the fourth quarter and Giannis didn't score means that like he didn't score in an actual competitive basketball game. <laughs> right. Well, I, 
like I wonder how much of it is in the play because this this narrative started in the playoffs. How much and then it was you know he's being schemed out of games. They're taking him away. I don't think there was much scheme going into the final fourth quarter of that All Star game. So for me, I think it's partially the fact that his play style is negated in the fourth quarter when especially in close games when referees are going to kind of swallow the whistle in the playoffs we're going to let you play out in tight games we're going to let it play out we're not going to let fouls uh dictate how the game ends which is ironic because it actually yeah, did foul, right? game. but but regardless i think that just like ben simmons as we always talk about his gun shyness and and his inability to shoot really hurting him Giannis has a little bit of that in him as well where they're going to force him to shoot, and if you can't shoot, then... Well, well. yeah, come on. Uh, I, will, I will put up, you know, if I'm Giannis, I will put up jump shots quarters one through three. I will do that to see if they fall. In the fourth quarter in a tight game, can't I think Giannis has too much of a basketball IQ to just chuck up those shots just to hope that they go in. He's going to want to try to get to the rim. And he's also, you know, has such a basketball IQ to know if he can't get to the rim, he's going to have to pass and rely on his teammates who just are light years under the talent that he is like they you know they're not i don't know if the his teammates can be if i don't know if his teammates can be relied upon to really step up and win games that's that's Giannis's job right and just for context and when you look at last year they were up 2-0 against the raptors uh in the eastern conference finals and then they drop one and then games four and five they ended up losing in six games so in games four and five which were the real swing games in the fourth quarter Giannis in both games combined had zero fast break points, zero assists, three turnovers, two rebounds, and three fouls drawn. That's staggering when you look at what Giannis likes to do. He loves to get out on the break. Raptors were very well coached, so kudos to them. And that's what I think it comes and down they, to. Like they slowed down the pace. I remember Raptors' pace of play went from one of the highest in the playoffs to one of the lowest in that championship, or you know, lowest in the in the conference final round to really negate what Giannis can do. And when you look at specifically, again, about scheme and, and projecting forward about what he's going to look like in this postseason, they were making him shoot, or he was shooting, rather, just over three three-pointers a game. This year, he's shooting 4.9 three-pointers a game. Uh, that means two more. And, right. It's been something that he clearly has worked on. So for me, that is super intriguing of like, Will Giannis now be the guy who is marked as like the fourth quarter disappear guy, or will he finally shake that narrative just like LeBron shook, uh, shook the he's not clutch narrative early in his career? Right. I mean, and that I think that's a perfect stat to point to because you don't just magically get good at it in the playoffs. That's something that you're gonna have to work on, and you're gonna have to work on in game mode in the regular season. Putting up two extra, I'd, I'm curious to see what his three-point percentage has done with those two extra threes. But putting up two extra is kind of sharpening that iron to be able to, to do it in the playoffs. He's up 6% from 25 to 31.3. He's right below league average of, of three-pointers. Right. Like league he's average is like 35. He's at 31. Right. right. He's for, like, well, for him, it's like, you know, for what, his second year in the league, he was shooting 15.9% from three. That's so, a huge jump to me. Yeah, it's a metamorphosis for Giannis, but... Again, like the things we've talked about before, we won't be able to finally close this chapter until the postseason. Can he be considered the best player in the NBA if this continues? No, I don't think, like, again, like, back to, like, what what we were just yelling about back and forth about Luka. Like, I don't think you can be considered the most valuable, at least. If you, if you can't be relied if upon in, the most, in big games. Right, here. in the most crunch time, the biggest moment of the game, you're nowhere to be found. 
it's hard for me to point to you and be like, yep, that's a guy who all around is the best. He's going to have to do his work. Do and, and He had some bad free first... throw misses in game three of the Toronto Series 2 when yeah. they could have gone up 3-0. I mean, he's going to have to do his work in the first two quarters, which is I mean, what he does anyway. This season, if, if, if this season continues for him, he's going to have the highest PER in NBA history. He's going to be the most efficient player in NBA history. Um so, it's, I mean, it's just going to – he's just going to have to do his best work through the first three. They're going to have to build up such a lead that if he does disappear, it, you know, the team doesn't have time to make up. And, and it's hard to tell because like Luca, you know, over the regular season, he's fine. This year, he's the fifth highest scorer in the fourth quarter uh, to go along with like 3.4 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He's shooting 57% in the fourth quarter this year. And he doesn't play a lot of fourth quarter minutes because the Bucks blow out everyone. They do. They, they have, I'm pretty sure – their average margin of uh, victory this season is twelve is twelve point one points per game. It's the second best in NBA history, right behind the ninety six Bulls. So they they're taking care of business. Six of the other eight teams in the top nine all time margin of victory won the title. Right. So there's I mean there's still you know stuff to be seen there. But let's transition from pros to college because we I mean dog March Madness is is coming up. Creeping up on us. And we haven't talked about we haven't been able to. Granted, there's been stuff taking our attention, but we haven't talked about college basketball nearly as, as much as I've wanted to. So let's get into it. There are three mid-major teams that are ranked in the top five of the college basketball rankings now. Will any of them become the first mid-major to win the title since the 1991 UNLV team? Right now, it's number two, Gonzaga, which I hate that they're considered a mid-major. They're, well, they're in a mid-major, but... Number four, San Diego State, and number five, Dayton. So, let's, I mean, let's take a look at these three mid-major teams and see, like, do, do any of them really legit have a shot? Let's start with Dayton, number five. Dayton is, like, really good. I'm very impressed by Dayton. I am, too. When you look at just the fact, I mean, Obi Toppin is the guy who pops off the film for them. He's going to be a guy who goes He's probably— He's a top-ten pick. Easy. Right, top-ten. He might have even worked his way into top, top five, five yeah. with, which this is—I mean, I don't want to get off on a different tangent here, but, like— this is why playing in the NCAA as opposed to playing overseas is important because stuff like this will happen where you get boosted in. But again, he's taking a Dayton team where they have the number one field goal percentage in the in the country, and they also have the number one opposing field goal percentages, and like their opponents are shooting the worst field goal percentage against Dayton. And that's been done just through sheer will and work down low. I mean, mm-hmm. they are very impressive. With their forwards. And they do stuff that wins in the tournament. Like you said, highest field goal percentage in the country at 62%. 7.7 rebounds a game, which adds to that field goal percentage. Because <laughs> if you're missing shots, I mean, 7.7 rebounds per game as a team is very good in college basketball. Also, number four in assists. They do the things that win in the NCAA tournament. Dayton, to me, is one of those teams. They did it last year. They scared people last year in the tournament. Dayton is one of those teams that when they get in, they do damage. They're an experienced team. They're led by a whole bunch of uh, seniors and juniors. Only two freshmen on the entire roster. Only two freshmen on the entire roster. So they're experienced. They do the dirty stuff well. And they're they're just a commanding basketball team, and it's led by Obi Toppin. So, you know, Dayton to me is, is a for real team. There's a lot of teams that, a lot of mid majors that make noise in the regular season that do it just because they're in a bad conference or in a mid major conference. I don't think Dayton is one of those teams at all. No, and they've only lost twice in regulation, one of those being to Kansas, the other one being to Colorado. And it's just a team, like you said, like when, and we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but like, when I look at teams that are going to make that deep run, it is the experienced team, Dayton. And having your guy, a, a guy who isn't a true freshman, like we we look back 
at Duke last year, they were one of the most talented teams. But when it came Let down to it, two freshmen, too many freshmen, too many. So your your number one player, he's a sophomore that helps sixth in Ken Palm uh, rating. So I to me and and their one scare coming against St. Louis. They actually could not hold St. Louis off the glass. They were just getting eaten up down there, and it, and it, it took them till overtime to get the win in that one. But they're going to be. Able, I'm going to be looking for. I mean, they're number five in the country. I mean, they're going to be able to out rebound most teams. I, I believe in a ton. When you do stuff like that, when you out rebound teams, when you out hustle teams, when you're getting better shots than teams, talent can you, you can make up for loss of talent by doing those things. I think Dayton's going to do it. Next, we go to number four, San Diego State. This is a team, to be honest, that I'm not too I'm not too. They're winning of. the title. Yeah, God, here we go. <laughs> really here simple. We go. They're undefeated. They don't know how to lose. They're going to win the title. That is true. They never were taught to lose, if you think about it. That is pretty spot-on analysis shot against them is that they've never, none of their players has ever won NCAA tournament game. But like, come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal to go in the NCAA tournament with no winning experience, to not know how to get it done in the tournament. Like, that's a that's a beast. That's an animal that and a huge hump to get over. Uh, it's actually a little comical to me when you look at how they're winning games. It reminds me of their most famous alum and how he wins games, Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. With his, well, when he came out, he was a phenomenal three-point shooter, phenomenal defender. Yeah, great um, three and D, yeah. Three and D guy. So when you look at their team as a whole, they are ninth in the country in three-point percentage, and they have the fifth fewest points allowed per game. And when you look at their opposing field goal percentage, same story, seventh in the NCAA in terms of preventing teams from scoring on them. So... I think when you get into the tournament, and I do like them a lot, I think that... I like how they don't rely on one player. they, they got five they, they players do. averaging nine or more points per they're, game. That's they're well-balanced. That's big. That's Being well-balanced is big. when you come up against team after team, eventually, that's been there before, you might find it a harder road to toll. To me... No, no firepower. I have no. There's no stat to back this up. There's no fact to back this up. But the NCAA tournament is a lot about firepower. Like, can you can you get hot? Can you start striking gold when teams can't? I don't see firepower coming out of UNLV. For years, everyone said Tony Bennett couldn't win in the tournament because he didn't have any high power. And offense. he did for years. But then he won. Then he okay. Yeah. I'm, sorry. Era. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. UNLV's seventh championship run. Don't get it done. Like I'm sorry, but he didn't get it done for a lot of for a lot of times. Right, and their number one player is actually a transfer. It's not even someone that was naturally recruited to the school. Malachi Flynn, 16.7 points per game. Um, I, I think they're still, like, obviously they're undefeated. They're very good for the, what are they, in the MAC? Mount, or the Mountain West, excuse mm-hmm. me. But are they really going to be able to beat the cream of the crop time and time again like you have to do in the NCAA tournament? To me, I don't think so, but I will be rooting for them. I mean, it's very cool. See a Mountain West undefeated team. No, no, you do that. You root for them. You put them in your bracket so that you can lose. There hasn't been an undefeated team that won the college basketball title since 1975 it's bad to be Indiana. Undefe- yeah, it's bad. It, I'm sorry I didn't let you finish, Matt, but it's bad to be undefeated going into the tournament. It's, it's bad. All right, the last one we're going to get into is number two, Gonzaga, a team that I really, really wish would switch conferences. <laughs> I really wish they would. Because I'm not going to. I, I mean, can't. I can't stand. It's not going to they're, happen. They're still in a mid-major conference. 
um, still. But they do have good qualities about them. They have eight top 100 players ranked um, on the roster. And Mark Few has been a really good coach traditionally. Has taken his team to the top 10 of the AP 7 of the last eight years. Granted, a lot of that is because he's had great regular season records because he does, he plays in a conference that is so below Gonzaga's means. To me, that Gonzaga's men's and UConn's women's are very synonymous. Those are two teams that just need to switch conferences. Hey, don't talk bad about the American like that. <laughs> talk bad about the American like that. He only made the Final Four once in his 21 years as coach. So that speaks to you. Can you beat the cream of the crop when right, you get to the right, tournament? And, and, and right when when you have to in the regular in the regular season when you have to clash with the top teams a lot of the time you're going to cut your teeth that way and and be better for it the only loss that they have on the season came to michigan and michigan really michigan handled them in that game right it doesn't it, michigan stinks now so in that game isaiah livers put up 21 points john teske is that how you pronounce mm-hmm, the name teske. for me i mean like to me yeah he's put up 19 and 15 like that is a huge red flag that's his game bullied. Right. That's his game bullied. And I get I get that, you know, teams will will kind of quote unquote drop the rope, so to speak. This isn't really a situation for that to happen against Michigan, who's a big school, but like like to me that, that that's one that sticks out uh as like the big head scratcher for Gonzaga going into the tournament and what can you expect they beat from Oregon. That? Oregon's ranked 14. And no, Oregon's, do, Oregon's a very they good They do have some good wins. So, like, I don't want to just, like, point this out and be like, this is the reason you can't have Gonzaga in your Final Four. But I just think that you should be a little wary of them heading into the tournament. I, I, I do. I, I think so as well. I mean, Gonzaga's been traditionally a team that will get overlooked because they're so much better than the rest of their conference and then will sometimes prove people wrong, maybe not with a Final Four run, but with an Elite Eight, a, 16, a Sweet 16, a deep a deep tournament run. They've, they've been known to do it. Last year was a lot different for me than this year is. Last year, their conference had... A more good team. St. Mary's was top twenty for a lot of this, a lot of the season. Pepperdine was scaring a lot of teams as well. Like they had a lot of teams. Was Nevada in their conference as well last yeah. year? So Nevada was a top ten team last year. So they had very good teams in their conference this year. The conference is taking and like a they dip. weren't embarrassed. They lost in the Elite Eight to Texas Tech, who almost won, won the, the title. national championship. Right? And they did have a good run here, good stretch of three games where they're at Washington, they win. They're at Arizona. I, just in terms of teams that are from bigger conferences, they play Arizona, beat them. That's a good team. And they play North Carolina, who, I, I mean, we've talked about them before. Roy, ask, Roy, be a, ask Roy Williams <laughs> how North Carolina supposed is. Supposed to be a good team. Right. But overall, when you look at some of the names that pop up, when you're looking at the Gonzaga wins, like Santa Clara, they're just thrashing multiple times a year. I I don't know. To me, I'll stay away from them. I'm going to stay away from them tournament time. And depending on depending on how the brackets shape up and who they play in the first two rounds, they may catch a Sweet 16 berth just because they're they're going to go in as a number one seed. Which I, I don't know the stat on this. I think they've been a number one seed for the last like three or four years. So they're going to go in probably as a number one seed unless they do unless they fall off a cliff. So they may catch two the first two rounds of wins because of that, but. You know, as soon as they got to play in Auburn and LSU, a team who's not like the top, top of their conference, but is good in a battle tested conference, I think Gonzaga goes down. So, then speaking of the tournament, what is 
and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We still have a little bit of time, but like, what's something that you look for? You know, you're trying to pick your to, bracket. To me, I got three things I look for when I go to the tournament. Can you shoot the three well? Can you rebound the basketball well? And can you play well in quote-unquote chaos? Because the tournament becomes such a fast-paced, up and down. It's so much energy and so much hype that half court, the half-court game is, is very seldom in the NCAA tournament. So can you do those three things? How are you shooting the three? How are you rebounding the basketball, and how well can you play your up-and-down style? Is your pace of play well? How many uh, points per 100 possessions can you get? How many possessions do you have total as an offense? Those three barometers are, you know, what what really I look for in a good team. And it served me kind of well. Like, I've been, you know, I've been, like, top three in the last couple of, um, you know, NCAA March Madness pools that I that I've played in. Stat Matt beating me last year. Little freaking smirk on his face. So... It's funny that you mentioned Virginia. <laughs> funny that you mentioned the chaos element because again, to me, that goes back to experience. experience. Experience, being able to compose yourself. And when you look at the AP rankings, only two teams in the top ten have a freshman in their starting lineup, that being Duke and Kentucky. In the final poll before the tournament last season, seven teams in the top ten had a freshman in their lineup. The year before that it was six. So Clearly trending a little bit more towards, and it might just be an off year, but trending more towards the seniority, those type teams going deeper in the tournament, which I think has proven to be successful. Right. All right, so with that, we're going to head into speaking facts and welcome our girl, Jewel Smith. Jewel. What's going on, Jewel? Um, the bright smile. It's going. I, you know, I'm surprised I'm speaking this well right now. The entire you had a weekend. Day. You had a weekend. I had myself a little bit of a weekend down in Sea Isle City. My uh, it was goodness. the Polar Bear Plunge this weekend for those of you from the Philadelphia area. Oh so I have a, if I have a sexy, raspy voice more than usual, that 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 is why. Uh, with that, let's kick it off with speaking facts. Cody Bellinger about Altuve. I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving them immunity. I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Aaron Judge in 2017. Everybody knows they stole the ring from us. See, this is where, like, I hate— Is he speaking facts? I, I, I hate the Astros. And my, you know, we talked about it. I, I hate the Astros. But, like, at, there's a certain point where you just got to, like, kind of move on, dude. They're not gonna give no. you the. They're not gonna give you the trophy back. No. MLB has said they're not gonna take the trophy, the piece of metal. They're Jake, not gonna take the piece of metal Jake, away. He was the Dodgers were the team the Astros beat. Like that would that would okay. leave me marking by uh, steaming mad. <laughs> that would leave me absolutely steaming mad. If I was a Dodgers fan, I'd bring it up every hour of my Thank day. Thank you. For every the rest of my every life. single time they put a microphone in front of my do face, you know, I'm saying this. Do you want to know how you figure how you how you work it out? And how you get over it. Instead of making quotes to the media, you say nothing. And the next time that you play them, you fuck them up. I mean, it's more You're fair. so old school. That's not going to happen. That's so, much, you bet that's, so, happen? that's so much easier. Set. First of all, I, I, what I do want to do is send a prayer for every Astros hitter safety because oh, they're going to get so many like fastballs straight to the head. They're going to get so many yeah. this year. But to tell me that Cody Bellinger isn't speaking facts is is ludicrous right this now. This isn't him whining about a ref screw up. This was Thank like, you. This is legit. Orchestrated systematic said, cheating. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like he's right. They stole. They he Altuve did steal an MVP from Judge, and they did steal a ring. See, here's the problem with the cheating though. Is like we don't know. And granted, they shouldn't get the benefit of the doubt. I understand that, but like 
when you're looking at things literally, if they weren't cheating, we don't know that they still wouldn't have won the World Series. We and don't. Like, I don't want to. We get, don't. Like, I don't we really don't. But Jake. But Jake. But Jake. Game but Jake. five of that series was so close. Game two of that series was so close. Jake, come on. Come on, man. They won, this is this they is won, the same they guy. Lost every single road game in that twenty. I'm gonna tear it down right here right now. I'm gonna tear it down right here right now. This is the same guy oh. that doesn't want to give the Patriots credit because <laughs> oh they cheated. <laughs> You're literally forecasting the record like, of the episode. I want everybody to just stop literally. so I can move on go because ahead, all ahead. these come all on. Right. So next, Giannis about James Harden. I want someone that will pass. Offensively, we were just trying to find whoever James Harden was guarding. These are, Is he speaking facts? I mean, these are two separate statements that so, Giannis made. And, and to be to be fair, go, go ahead, go ahead. Let me, because this doesn't really make a definitive statement. I think he's no. dancing around what he really wants in, to yeah. say, which I will say for him. I hate James Harden. <laughs> yeah. He you does. Used to, you used to be, oh, oh, you're saying, you're, you're Giannis saying that. I mean, I'll say I hate James Harden too. <laughs> I'm Joel Smith saying it. I hate James Harden. You used to be a huge James Harden fan. Uh, no, same with Kevin Durant, uh, funnily enough. Yeah, that, that whole, and, and Westbrook, really, yeah. until things went south for <laughs> the Thunder. So they all took off but, a Thunder jersey. No, no, no. I mean about how does Giannis view Harden? He mm. makes the comment. During the All-Star Game draft, I want someone who will pass after Chuck refers to him as the dribbler, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious. And then after the game, he says, offensively, we were just trying to go at Harden. Look, I I don't think that Giannis hates James Harden. I think Giannis values team basketball and a right way to play. And I think it low-key gets at him that James Harden plays the way he does and one, is is successful to an extent, and two, gets the accolades and the praise that he gets. Like I don't think Giannis likes that. I just want to point out the double standard. If Harden was like one of the drafters and he said, I don't want Giannis because I want someone who can shoot, Everyone in sports media would be murdering yeah. James Harden. But really Giannis is like likable and nice. Well, and, and they both have playoff failures too. Like it's yeah. not even like whatever. Giannis speaks slightly broken English. Really so yeah, not so anymore, it's okay. But, yeah, no, he's it's much still, more likable. It's still kind of broken uh, English. I, I think it is the fact that this is the guy, and you mentioned him being a polar opposite. This is a guy that he's been going up against for the, this season and last season for the MVP award. And again, very distinct styles of play. So I think he doesn't like him, but he won't say. He also smashed the ball off of Harden's face and an elbow last year. Yeah, and an elbow, elbow in the, the All Star yeah. game. Yeah. So I'm too excited for this last one. Ben Affleck about Tom Brady on first take this week. I think if you don't recognize that Tom Brady is the greatest QB ever to play the game, you're not qualified to talk about sports. Let me go look, off. Let <laughs> me look directly at StatMet like this, like this. When I say Ben Affleck is speaking nothing but facts, nothing but them, stat Matt. You hear what, you hear what Batman just said? I'm talking about sports, why am I on the pod? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> Leave the room. <laughs> Leave. Not right now. <laughs> you hear what Batman, that's Batman speaking facts right there. No, it's not. No. Uh, don't. Don't. <laughs> that's not Batman. That's Christian Batman. Bale is Batman. That's His movies are trash. Okay, that's Regardless. the most recent Batman song. Regardless. I think that to deny Brady is the greatest of all time is kind of just to be contrary. Yep. I think that yep. maybe there's a case to be made, but nope. when you look at how quarterbacks are treated and judged, he has produced the greatest the greatest championship championship run for a team, the greatest dynasty that a lot of people who talk about sports have seen. Um so when you take that into account and I know that this was Ben Affleck saying it to Max Kellerman, who is the Tom Brady Patriots hater. I, I think it's hard to dispute that 
in my opinion. And we will move on before Matt says anything. <laughs> if you look at the way quarterbacks are judged, my argument is that they're judged incorrectly. If you look at how they're currently judged, Brady is... So Matt's argument is they're judged incorrectly. If you judge them how I judge quarterbacks, Tom Brady's not the most Wins are a team stat that quarterbacks have an influence on, but isn't that Have the biggest all. influence on. With that being said, we are moving on to my weekly wrap-up because I can't stand this <laughs> this feud going on right what now. What happened in sports, thank you. Uh, a couple things that happened in sports this week. One, Manchester City gets two-year ban from Champions League, um, costing them $30 million in euros. Uh, number two, Mark Cuban blessed the MLB, stating he's glad he didn't buy a team when he was offered to do so back in 2010. Greg Olson signs with the Seahawks. Kyrie, two... <laughs> To be named new VP of NBAPA. I have so many thoughts about that. That's why I'm cracking up. Uh, and last but not least, D-Wade and Rick Ross are releasing a new song. Uh, Shout out 2020. <laughs> let's so start it off with Manchester God. City. So the city has been banned from the Champions League for the next two seasons uh, after they were found to have seriously misled Europeans' football governing body and broken financial fair play rules. Um, they're found guilty on two charges here of falsely inflating sponsorship revenues when making submissions as part of their uh, compliance process and two of breaching regulations by failing to cooperate in the investigation of the case by the club financial control body i read into this more today this is actually such a big deal i didn't even it's quite a, it's a realize how big of a deal it is because if you take a closer look on it today like this charge is essentially one of it's an accounting fraud so anybody <laughs> it's, it's it's a form of theft yeah. so so beyond the club being penalized that also means ramifications for any manchester city personnel such as directors lawyers uh accountants who may have had part in the fraud like, like dog when it, so it's so messed when, up when soccer cheats different than any other sport like when soccer they cheats they cheat like, they, like, yeah. like the we're not stealing signs we're not banging on trash i know we said this listen we're gaming it on taxes i know we've said this before if you're gonna do it do it, do it right. <laughs> right. If you're going to cheat, I'm it's not going to bang on trash cans. I'm taking it is, hundreds of millions of euros from you. We will label it white-collar cheating <laughs> That's is what, what they're they do. doing. Mark Cuban blessed the MLB, stating he's glad he didn't buy a team back in 2010 when he was offered to do so. Um, I Again, I don't really want to go in depth about this scandal because everybody knows what's going on, but in many ways the scandal has exposed faulty lines in the sport and among the people in charge of it. Cuban went to Twitter this week reflecting back, like I said, in 2010 when he almost bought the Texas Rangers with Jim Crane, who is currently the owner of the Astros. Um, it was just noted by Forbes in their annual estimates that both the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors are now valued at four-plus billion dollars, and they're one of the three NBA teams worth that amount. Only the New York Yankees and the MLB are valued at four plus billion so for cuban to like have his that that's what i kind of want this section to be like where do we see baseball going from here financially great jake made a great point before we even started today just because of the astros thing happening he thinks the ratings are going to go up i think so too yeah especially in the beginning of the right. season and if espn is smart the, the astros have like seven eight games on espn to start the season because teams are going to want to see like okay now that they're not cheating how are they and like i think a bunch of people are angry they're going to want to see social 
media contributes to a lot yeah. of that. Jake well, said that. They're, they're going to want to see. I, I'm, I know like it's wrong, but they're going to want to see whoever's starting pitching. They're going to want to see a couple balls going out. You even just said it before when we were talking about how yeah. they better watch their own asses in yeah. the stadium because there's going to be malicious shit oh, happening. Sorry, I can't there imagine is. when they go there's to be, when they yes. when they go to the New York Yankees when they go to oh like it's like gonna be bad. it's bad. See, it's going to be this, so bad. I'm very glad go. we're going to get to see the ugly side of some other fan bases and just keep that in mind that. All fan bases but Philadelphia have fans. Oh, shocker. Jake put this back into a Philadelphia narrative. No, he's right, because I'm tired of this uh-huh. fucking shit. Sorry. I, uh-huh. I am. I am. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Kyrie to be named the vice president of the NBA Players, Players Association. No, you're right. I already, I already uh, this, know. This came out of off. absolute yeah. freaking left you field. You texted in our group. I go, what the hell? And I was like, like Kyrie? Yeah. Kyrie? I don't like, know. So right now, Chris Paul is the president. And then you go to Kyrie as the VP. You got Chris Paul as the president, um, and first vice president, Andrea Gudala, and then you have Net Star will be one of six of the other guys. Uh Bismack, I can't say his guy. Uh, I hate his last name. That's that's for that's for Malcolm probably the overseas probably overseas. Yeah, stuff. Malcolm Brogdon. Or what's is that? Brogdon. Brogdon. Jalen Brown, CJ McCollum, and uh his teammate Garrett. Uh, See, so you Oliver. have you have good bright right. solid yeah. minds yeah. and a Kyrie. But I'm just wondering like so like where does this help you? Because like the players, a lot of the players probably don't like him. And I know for a <laughs> fact the executives don't, don't like, like him. him. Yeah. So maybe maybe some of it is players have seen how he's a psychopath? Well, been, well, I'll put it nicely. Been able to leverage his situation to get what he wants. He wanted yes. out of Cleveland. He got out of Cleveland to the team he wanted to go to. He wanted out of Boston. He got out of Boston to the team he wanted to go to. Like he, Kyrie's been able to successfully do that twice now. Yeah, but here's the problem. <laughs> he, he got his way uh, out of Cleveland to where he wanted to go to Boston and then realized it was a bad choice and he didn't like it. Like, and I think... I like, think, temper tantrum. And, and I think after he's going to miss the rest of the regular season yeah. now with that nagging shoulder injury and then KD's going to come back, it's going to be KD's team, I guarantee you 30 games in the next season, Kyrie's going to be like, I'm unhappy. Well, like Kendrick Perkins came out because he was commenting oh, the Celtics for Alaska. <laughs> and he Perk goes... And Kyrie Irving didn't want to play for this franchise. Every time I think of that guy, I want to throw up. So <laughs> Irving has clearly earned his spot as an easy target. Man. Yeah. Um, I mean, just that's from that exactly what you're saying, the drama and his actions throughout the years. Um, but then again, the position itself shows that the players in the league, to a degree, like Jake was saying, like respect Kyrie's intellect even though like to elect him in the first place like this is an important position. It's, it's elected by the you're players. You're negotiating yeah. stuff for the future of yeah. the, the league. Um, I hope this was for true reasons and it wasn't just like a popularity contest. Last but not least, D-Wade and Rick Ross are releasing a song coming out this Friday called For Miami is a rap song. Oh, that's um, a I think I'd rather see Rick Ross play some basketball. You didn't, did you know Rick Ross is from Miami? Right, I didn't really even realize. <laughs> when it, when they got put in the script, I'm like, oh, this is Well, D-Wade. they're both pillars for Miami, Spiraling. and they became buds throughout the years, and they actually kind of blossomed a nice friendship. They almost bought, well, this was talks, Rick Ross and... Uh, D. Wade were thinking about buying an NFL team together at the beginning of January. Uh, I don't think well. they have enough money to do that. I don't that. think they do either. I don't think it's... <laughs> but the opportunity presented them Rick, itself. Rick they Ross, said they would. D. Wade might have enough money saved up. I, I think Rick Ross got to realize the difference between right, athlete money back, and, right. and rapper money. There's they a do have difference. a shoe together. They have a Chinese sneaker together. They, they do, the way of Wade. <laughs> um, look, I mean, I, I'll... 
I'm not going to lie and say I'm not going to listen to it. It's probably going to be awful. I don't know if D-Wade I mean, is going to actually rap in it or if he's just going to be in the music video. Like, we'll see. But, like, I don't know. Let's just Stuff hope. Stuff like this just makes me, like, roll my eyes. Let's hope his rapping is better than his slam dunk contest uh, judging. 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 Mm. <laughs> Only qu- Will it be better than Antonio Brown's rap uh, song? I don't know if you guys have heard it. You listen to Antonio Brown's rap? I, I heard three seconds of it on Twitter, and I, that's, that's all, all I needed to hear. That's yeah, I, all I, I, I guess it's like a no contest, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so breaking news. What happened? Uh, the Adam Schefter is just reporting that under the new NFL CBA, one of the things that the NFL is pushing, and according to one source, it's been agreed to as part of the new CBA, is that they will be adding a seventh playoff team to each conference, and uh, only one team will have a bye. One team so will have a so bye. So you're telling me, as a Buccaneers fan? There's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. No, that's like serious, no, though. That There'll is. be three wild card games on Saturday and Sunday on wild card weekend. I mean, but look, we, Jewel, I remember, I don't know how long ago this was. You said the NFL's a money grab. That's what they do it for. And this is a this smart is a money, money move. This is that's a smart crazy, money though. move. That, like, because they know the XFL. Oh, as it is. They should not change it. They shouldn't change But I, Matt, for money, they will do anything. Oh, of course, but that... And are you not going to watch the extra wild card game? Of course you are. Everyone's going to watch it. Let's play that devalues the regular season pretty bad. It devalues, I think, it devalues a little bit the wild card matchup. Now, I think now you're going to have, I think Matt was right. I think it was that six team was perfect. It was a little bit not good enough to be exciting. Oh, they might upset someone, but they were good enough to have a viable chance at winning. I think the drop between six and seven, like you're at the seven going against two, seven's so probably going to get smacked around. All right, guys, let's head it to the countdown. Number five. The number of quarterbacks to play 20 seasons in NFL history. Vinny Testaverde, Earl Morrell, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Earl Morrell, greatest backup quarterback history of the NFL. Not close. I'm glad you told me who he was. I had no idea who he was. So the real story here, not Earl Morrell, is that Drew Brees is coming back, which Mm -hmm. makes now what? happens with Teddy Bridgewater and some say Taysom Hill a little bit more interesting. Taysom Hill came out and said, I want to be a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, to, nah, whatever, Taysom nah, to, nah. Not bad for a running back, Taysom. Uh, number, number of wins the Red Wings had over the Canadians this season. Despite being the worst team in the NHL, it is the first time in franchise, franchise history that they have swept the Canadians. This is kind of crazy for me because the last Sorry, time that's I... Our, that's our one hockey thing for the year. <laughs> <laughs> but the last time that I paid attention to hockey like very closely throughout the entire season was maybe 2010? 2010 Stanley Cup. 2011? Yeah. So like the Red Wings were a dominant team back then. <laughs> like, when they, did bad, they yeah. were the Spurs of the NHL. Right, they that's right. Uh, context. Uh, thank you, man. Is that where Pavel Datsuk was yes. on? Yeah, see, he was really fun to use in the NHL video games. Uh, right, right, the defenseman. Yeah, so, like, this is this is hitting home for me that they're now the worst that's team. That's when who, who was on the team? What's his name? Which, the first guy I said? Pavel Datsuk. He uh, was, like... Gesundheit. He was, <laughs> he was essentially. That's another Gazzantite. Yeah, Gazzantite. That's a lot of Gazzantite. <laughs> like, I thought you sneezed. I'm not, I'm not sure. Number three. The number of dunk contests Aaron Gordon has now lost in. Is that true? Mm hmm. Lost in three. He stunk in 2017. Yeah, he was really bad in the first one. Uh, I, I don't one. even remember it. He was good in 16. Exactly. It, exactly. So, right, he got robbed. He has the most perfect dunks in NBA history. I mean, I feel bad for the guy personally. He didn't, but get, he didn't get robbed. Now he, it's The format, the way the dunk contest is laid out, he did not get robbed. He got beat. 
because because I his dunks were better than Derrick Jones's, but there's a cap. They both had fifty. They both had okay, fifty. Okay, his dunk over Taco should have been a fifty. No, he cut Taco in the head. And he's he, seven foot five. And he, he chose. He chose that who obstacle. Who did Derrick Jones thing? jump over? He chose Chance. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So like, but he cleared him. Like and he put right. between his legs. Taco, and he put between his legs. fifty dunk. It's a hundred percent a fifty. He chose dunk. Taco for. Do not choose an obstacle you cannot jump Derek, over. Derrick Jones. Do not choose an obstacle. Over him. He, he did him, it, but he still jumped over him. Okay, he didn't knock him over. Sorry, him, he sorry, it. sorry. Like, do not choose an obstacle you can't clear. What do you have to say about the fact that they were supposed to have it tied, and Dwayne Wade decided to just no, 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 blatantly no. rig they it against should, him? There should have. I, I, I could get on the wave of co of co champions, but they did, well, I don't think they want to do that. Which is the reason they've why they've been co champions and co MVPs of all star of all star festivities before. I would have been cool if there had been co champions, but don't say he got robbed. And don't say D Wade rigged it. D Wade was not the only judge to give Derek. Jones yeah, because the other Jones, they had to the come up to the cumulative score that would tie it. That's why the other other judges gave him a nine. I feel like Jake's, a... Jake's head's going to pop off. He's getting very red. He's getting really red. Move on. Which number means two. it's time for number two. <laughs> number <laughs> games. That was me. You did oh, number three. See, look, this is what like, happens oh, bamboozled. flustered. The number of games Liverpool has lost in the Champions League this season. Their first team squad has, has zero losses in all other competitions this year. I mean, Liverpool through... Um, through the Premier League season, through the the beginning of their regular season, was absolutely dominant, and they've just hit a roadblock here in Champions League, which I don't feel sorry for because they were the roadblock that Barca hit last year. So I don't. I, I was don't told they were really them. good, so I bet on them and they lost. That's what you get. That's, That's what you get for being a degenerate gambler. <laughs> Bring it down You're to number correct. one. <laughs> number one, if the Bucks make the finals, they would be the first Eastern Conference team since the 2006 Heat to make the NBA Finals after losing in the conference finals the previous season. And you know what? There's a perfect bow on the episode because that's not going to happen without Giannis Antetokounmpo showing up in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and that's really all it comes down to, in my yeah. opinion. If he can be complete, full 48-minute a game player, then they're going to probably win the NBA championship. Straight like that. Couldn't put it any better. All right, we're almost out of time, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Let's go to Matt first. You got anything to say at the buzzer? The Elam rule should be considered for the ending of actual NBA Matt, games. Don't, Matt, no, I, Matt, don't. It ends intentional fouls, which everyone hates. The slowdown of the game back and forth, extending games when everyone knows it's over. And the, the, struggling for the second the, point. No, no, the, the, <laughs> you solve the free throw issue of winning on a free throw by subtracting from other teams. It makes a That's more a exciting point. product. It will never happen. I don't, it it, it shouldn't happen, happen. I think it but, works for exhibition games, not for organized basketball. But they, they should they should do it. At least in G League, that would be fun. I'd go to G League games more. Put it in the G League. I'm cool. Put it in the G League. I'm, I'm good with that. Julie, you have anything to say at the buzzer? I like your jacket. Oh, my God. What so, else did you have to say about he's yeah, a tiger? Yeah, I said I usually don't like what he wears. Which is which is crazy to me because all my clothes really fit like the same the same theme. Like I don't go too far to the extremes with my clothes. So if she likes this jacket, she should. I like, gave like, him a compliment that I like undermined it. It was the most backhand a compliment, and then I ended up with a red like face mark or a red hand mark on my face. Like one was, two, good old one two. It was the most tear you down. Back, oh, she rope and doped the hell out of me. Absolutely, hell of me. You got anything to say at the buzzer, Jake? So I saw that Stefan Diggs deleted all Viking stuff off of his Instagram, mm -hmm. which in the modern day is what we call trade request. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a 
<laughs> yeah, that's scary true. My question is, where is he, if he were to get traded, what are some teams that you think he could go to? Uh, I think, I don't know why off the top of my head, I think the Seahawks would be a good team that would want to trade for him. I'm kind of forgetting as I'm saying this, They, I mean, they have a pretty good receiver core, but I think that Stephon Diggs really completes it. They have the small kind of slot receiver who goes all over the place inside the locket, the big body receiver in DK Metcalf, and then I think Stephon Diggs could be that that good interme- intermediate receiver that they would that they would need. The Bills, Bills would be another is great another one. good one. Another yeah. great speed offense. I could see him going to the Raiders as well. They don't really have a number one guy. They have Darren Waller, who's a tight end yeah. as their number one receiving end. You know who else? The, the, the Eagles make sense. The I was Eagles hoping you would say sense. it, so I didn't have the to. The Eagles make sense. The, the Eagles, Eagles do sense. make phenomenal sense. And this is a guy who is posting all this or deleting all of his posts because he has to play second fiddle. He's probably going to go to a team where he doesn't have to do that. Yeah, I was going to say Saints, and then for that exact reason, I was like, no, Michael Thomas commands too much of the energy. All right. All I have to say at the buzzer is really not to harp on the Astros point anymore, but my favorite athlete in the world, second favorite athlete in the world, came out and spoke up about it. LeBron um, fired off some tweets. He was pretty irate about the whole situation. I won't read them all in length, but I'll summarize. He said, listen, I know I don't play baseball, but I'm in sports, and I know if someone cheated me out of winning a title and I found out I'd be effing irate. Uh, he goes, listen here, baseball commissioner, listen to your players speaking up about how gris- disgruntled, mad, hurt, broken, et cetera, et cetera, they are about this. Literally, the ball is in your court, or should I say field, and you need to fix it for the sake of sports. Now, here's what a, a lot of people, mainly the LeBron haters, were, were speaking up and kind of saying he needs to stay in his own lane. He doesn't need to stick his nose in, any, in everybody else's business. This is just LeBron wanting to get no, okay. in front of the cameras. Yeah. I think it's more than okay. You are... Probably the most famous athlete, if not the second or third most famous athlete in the world. You are a brand ambassador for the NBA. You are a brand ambassador for sports. If you see something like this going on in other sports, I think you have some kind of a responsibility to not stay silent and say the right things. Also, I think we have to pay attention to what he said. He didn't say MLB players do this, that, and the third. He didn't say, commissioner, you need to do this, that, and the third to fix your league. He said something very specific. He said, listen to your players. LeBron is all about player empowerment, being more than an athlete and having a voice. He said for the commissioner, you need to listen to your star players being how upset they are. You need to listen to that and take that into consideration when you're divvying out punishments and divvying out fines. And I think that's the perfect thing to say. Just listen to your players. They run your league. They make you the most money. Those are the ones you should listen to. So any rebuttals, any comments? Or I summed it up pretty well. No, I mean, your organization is only as good as your employees. So that's what it comes down to. Hashtag, just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless my own sport I play. The greatest hashtag, of, literally of all time. I've never seen a hashtag better than this. Eloquently said, LeBron, yeah. thank you. Thank you for that. His hashtag took up two lines, but that's all the time we have for this episode. It was a great one. Big ups, big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson for doing what they do behind the camera. For my partner, Joel Schmitz. Real, it's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man, Jake Galley, who rarely has anything to say to me at the top of the episode. These have been the facts. Straight up.